Hey everybody, my name is Taylor and this is Morbid Academy. Once again, I am not in my podcast corner because it still smells like a dead fucking body. But uh, what can you do? It's apparently just supposed to leave your the dead animals in the in the walls until they disintegrate. So there's that. And I also don't have my car office or my carfus today, so I'm I'm making do with this little corner that I'm in. If you're not watching on YouTube, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. I just miss my podcast corner, okay? But let's get to the actual podcast. This week, I'm covering a case that apparently still baffles France to this day. And it's the only case in France that has to do with the removal of eyeballs. Yes. Yes. So fun fact to that. This is the case of the Papa sisters. Now, it is spelled P-A-P-I-N, but in French, it is pronounced Papa. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but I did look it up and it's like, it's Papa. So yeah, I am going to try my hardest to pronounce these names correctly. But of course, there's gonna be the American English accent because I'm American and I don't know any other language. So let's get started, shall we? Christine and Leah Papa were the two younger daughters of Clément and Gustave Papa. In the early 1900s, Clément and Gustave were dating, but it was rumored around this small town of Saint-Marc-Dutier that she was having an affair with her boss. Already the drama. But despite the rumors, despite his own mother's wishes, Gustave was madly in love with her and she got pregnant and they got married October 1901. Then their daughter Amelia was born in February of 1902 and we don't know who the actual father is. Drama! But whatever. But Clément did not want, basically did not want to be a mom. She did not care. She didn't show really any affection toward her daughter, towards her husband. She didn't even really like either of them. So Gustave started to believe the rumors of her sleeping with her boss. In July 1904, Gustave moved his family away, just a little farther away, so he could keep Clément away from her boss. Well, Clément was pissed off and even threatened to kill herself and leave Gustave. But then she, she, I guess, quote, took stock of her life and decided to stay because she was pregnant with their second child and she figured who would want a single pregnant woman? Not my words. You know, she just, it was real love for her and Gustave, okay? She was like, nobody's gonna want me because I'm single and pregnant, so I might as well stay. True love, am I right? So March 1904, Christine was born. But again, Clément did not care. She showed little affection and was 
constantly complaining about taking care of the children. So what does Gustave do? He sends Christine to live with his sister, Isabel, where she lived until she was about seven years old. In 1910, the Papa family moved to Le Mans, and in September 1911, Leo was born. At some point between 1911 and 1913, Amelia, who is only about 10 to 11 years old at this point, was sexually assaulted and raped by her father. And her mother blamed her. Her mother blamed Amelia, saying that she seduced him. What? You lit- She's 10 and it's her father. Shut the fuck up, Kalama, Clemon, whatever your name is. So her mother pissed off at her daughter for seducing her father. Disgusting. Sent her to Le Bon Pasteur Catholic Orphanage along with Christine. She was like, you know what? No, I'm taking, I'm taking Christine away from your sister and putting her in this orphanage that is known to be abusive and harsh. It's just a loving family, right? So then Clément divorces Gustave and takes Leia to live with her brother until he died and then places Leia in the Le Bon Pasteur orphanage as well. When Amelia turns 18, she's like, I hate my fucking family. I'm gonna be a nun. And that's, that's that. Christine, who was very close to Amelia, wanted to become a nun like her, follow in her footsteps. But once again, Clément was pissed off because what she actually wanted was for her daughters to come back and provide for her. She wanted them to come and work and so that she could live off of them. So Clement took Christine out of Le Bon Pasteur and put her to work as a maid to the fancy dancy rich people of Le Mans. Because I guess at the orphanage, they taught them how to, to mend clothes, to clean, to cook. So it was perfect for her just to become a maid so Clément could live off of her. And as soon as Leia was old enough, she took her out of the orphanage as well and put her to work too. Cool. Thanks, mom. In 1926, Christine went to work for René Lancela, a retired lawyer, and his wife, Leone, and their 27-year-old daughter, Genevieve. And a couple months later, they hired Leia as well. Now, by all accounts, Christine and Leia were treated well, and they were taken care of by the Lancelin family. They were given a room in the attic that was heated. Um, I think it had a balcony. I could be wrong on that. But basically, the, quote, servants' quarters were pretty nice for the time. And according to a documentary I watched, which I will link in the um, show notes and the description box on YouTube, Mr. Lancelin made sure that they were taken care of. When the first social insurance came out, he made sure that they would qualify 
for it in case there was an accident so they would be protected. So again, by all accounts, they were treated pretty well for quote-unquote servants. They did work like 14, 12 to 14 hour days with only half a day off. And on their half days off, they would go to church or pretty much just spend the time in their room. They didn't have friends. They, they didn't talk to their family, the little bit of family that they had left. They were each other's people. They only spent time with each other. And later on, Christine would state that she believed that she was her sister's husband in another life. So there's that. But of course, not all was well in the household. Obviously, there wouldn't be a story if it was. Apparently, Renee never spoke to the sisters at all. The only communication they got was from Leone, who only talked to them through written communication. If she wanted stuff specifically done, she would write it down. And even then, Leone was cold and withdrawn towards them, and she would double check their work using the white glove test, which is wearing, like, she would go around wearing a white glove and then wipe her finger to see if it was dusty or dirty. So we have these two young women, Christine, who's like 27 years old, and Leah, who's 20, both of who grew up in a abusive household, then were sent off to an orphanage, which was also abusive. Now they're then they were taken out of there, forced to work so that their mother could take their money, so more abuse. And then in this household where they're not necessarily abusive, but they're cold and withdrawn, so they're, they've never been shown affection or love or kindness, pretty much, except from each other. And like I said, they were still being controlled by their mother, who forced them to send her their wages, which was about 3,000 francs a year, which is about $2,000. And to Leone's credit, this is the only piece of credit she gets, when she found out about them, she told them to keep their money for themselves and even told their mother herself that they, they wouldn't be sending her any more money. Boom. But again, that is all the credit she gets because she's cold and withdrawn and just mean. And from everything that I read, they weren't physically abused. I couldn't find anywhere that was that was like concrete that they were physically abused. Even, I mean, somewhat mentally, I mean, I feel like it's a little bit of mental abuse if your work is constantly be, being questioned by the person you work for. I don't think that actually accounts as mental abuse, but it, it would definitely take a toll on you. So basically what I'm saying, were they physically abused? No, but tensions were freaking high in that household and it was cold and withdrawn. On the evening of February 2nd, 1933, Rene is at his brother-in-law's house waiting for his wife and daughter to come and join him for dinner. Originally, all three of the Lancelot family were supposed to be out of the house all day, but they weren't at Leone's brother's house yet, so he decided just to go home to see if maybe they had stopped by. 
When he got there, all the doors were locked and he couldn't open it with his own key. The shutters were closed and it was completely dark inside, which was odd seeing as the the sisters, the papa sisters were still supposed to be there. And even more odd seeing as possibly his wife and daughter were supposed to be there. So Renee, thinking that something's up, goes to the police who send over two officers. The two officers go into the backyard and are able to get into the house by pushing the window that is on the door open and unlatching the door that way. They get inside and the house is completely silent. Nothing out of the ordinary on the ground floor. So the officers head up the stairs to the to what they called the first floor, even though technically it's the second floor. So when, just so you know, when I say first floor, I mean second floor. France in the 1930s, crazy little kids. As the officers near the first floor landing, their flashlights catch something shining on the floor. Originally, they thought it was a ball or a marble, something like that. But as they get closer, they realize that it's an eyeball. Just hanging out on the stairs. Glorious. They moved their flashlights into the first floor and found, quote, an orgy of blood, end quote, as described by French a psychoanalyst and psychiatrist Jacques Lacan, Léoné and Genevieve had been beaten beyond recognition, their eyes removed, and their bodies slashed. The officers called for the superintendent, examining magistrate, and the coroner, and they continued the search through the house, finding nothing on the first floor, again, technically the second floor, and then up the stairs to the attic. Again, nothing ordinary in the attic except for an iron on an ironing board suggesting that work was interrupted abruptly. The door to the servants' quarters was locked, but no one answered the door when, when the police knocked. They called for a locksmith who was able to get it open. And what do they find? They find Christine and Leah perfectly fine in bed together either wearing bathrobes or completely naked. I got different accounts from different articles and there was a bloody hammer on the chair that was next to the bed. Christine didn't hesitate to tell the police that they killed Leone and Genevieve, claiming self-defense and saying, quote, it was us or them, end quote. When police asked Christine if she had killed the two women herself, Leia yelled that she killed Genevieve. Quote, they shouldn't have threatened us, end quote. When the police tried to question Leia more, she glanced over at her sister and then said, quote, I am deaf and dumb, end quote. Okay, but you're not. So obviously the Papa sisters are arrested and taken away at this point. It is November. It is my birthday month. There's only a week and a little bit left of November at this point. My birthday is the 28th. And for all my lovely listeners, I am giving you a 10% discount off of all the merch. 
if you go to morbidacademymerch.com, order whatever you want, and be sure to use code BIRTHDAY at checkout for 10% off your order all throughout the month of November. Happy birthday to me. You're welcome. Again, use code BIRTHDAY at checkout for 10% off your order at morbidacademymerch.com. So according to reports, which you can actually find the crime scene photos of the bodies very easily. So just be warned when you Google it, they're old 1933 photos. So you, it's graphic, but you can't really tell what's going on, but still just be warned. Genevieve was found face down, her right arm extended and her hand covered in blood and her skirts were pulled up. She had deep cuts on her butt and calves. Her face was bashed in and eyes were moved, one being found on the stairs and the other was found underneath her body. Leone was found on her back, legs apart with only one shoe on and her skirts pulled up. The right side of her face and skull were completely smashed in. Her eyes were found wrapped in a scarf and her mouth was completely gone with teeth found all over the floor. Both of the women's genitals had been slashed and Genevieve's menstrual blood had been smeared on Leone. Yeah, it's graphic. The murder weapons that were found were a kitchen knife, which was found near one of the bodies, a hammer and a heavy pewter pot that still had blood and hair stuck to it. So what happened to cause them to murder their quote-unquote masters in such a gruesome way? Well, according to Christine, this is how it all panned out. February 2nd, 1933. The Lasala family were supposed to be out all day and Christine and Leo were inside doing their chores, doing their errands, and Leo was tasked to take the broken iron to the electrician to get it repaired, which she did, but when she got back, she plugged it in, it didn't work, but also the power went out because of it. Now they didn't see a big deal about it because the Lancelot family was supposed to be out all day. So it wasn't a big deal. They would just get it fixed in the morning. And that would have been fine if Leone and Genevieve hadn't come home early before heading over to Leone's brother. When Christine told Leone that the iron was still broken, which was why the power was out, Leone, quote, flew into a rage and was about to start slapping Christine, but Christine wasn't gonna let that happen. She leapt at Leone and started clawing her face and tearing out her eyes. Genevieve came in and Leah jumped on her and clawed her face and tore out her eyes. Yes, their eyes were violently ripped out while they were still alive. And then Christine grabbed the knife and the hammer from the kitchen, along with the pewter pot that was in the hallway, and the sisters finished the job, along with a lot of overkill. When they were done, they washed their hands in the kitchen and then locked all the doors and went upstairs to bed. Christine told the police that she had no remorse. The murders weren't premeditated 
and Leone hadn't touched Christine, but Christine basically just snapped. The sisters were separated in jail as they awaited their trial. Leia remained quiet and reserved all the way through, but Christine's mental state started to deteriorate quickly. At one point, she even attempted to claw out her own eyes and was forced into a straitjacket. Now, it was, sus it was suspected that the sisters had an incestuous relationship, one from being found in bed, either naked or in bathrobes. And because one time when Christine was allowed to see Leia, she threw herself at her and apparently started to unbutton her blouse. Not sure what was going on there. And like I said earlier, Christine also said at one point that she believed that she was her sister's husband in another life. Now, yes, incest is bad, but I'm not entirely surprised if that if that is what they were doing. There's no proof, by the way, that this happened. I'm just saying, like, to the suspected incest, I'm not surprised. They were never shown love or affection or really any attention. They had to fend for themselves. They were all they had. They were abused. They just had a horrible, awful upbringing. Obviously, I'm not condoning murder or incest, any of it. I'm just saying that it's not surprising if that is what happened with between them. Again, there is no proof to say that that is what happened between them. Oh, look, I have a little puppy here with me. Hello, Charlie. Do you want to help me? This is Charlie. To everybody watching the video, this is Charlie. She's a little chihuahua dachshund whose birthday is in two days. Actually, her when I'm filming it, it's two days. But when you on Friday, November 19th is her birthday along with her brother Spencer's. They're going to be four. I can't believe it. Anyway, back to the story. So as I, as I was saying, I there is no proof to an incestuous relationship between Christine and Leia. But I can see why it would happen if it did. In the documentary I watched, there was a report that said there was no sexual relationship between the two of them. They did have a special and odd relationship. Odd being, again, like they were each other's everything. They didn't have anybody else. They don't know what love looks like or affection looks like. So they have an odd relationship, but it said that Leia viewed Christine as her big sister and her mother's substitute and Christine pretty much acted as such. So anyway, during the trial, prominent intellectuals actually held that the crimes were an example of class warfare, saying that the sisters rebelled against their, quote, mean-spirited masters, which reflected the poor conditions in which servants lived at the time. Now, I don't necessarily believe that, just because from all accounts from people who knew the family, and the sisters, they were treated a lot better than most, quote, servants were at the time. Were they treated amazingly? Obviously, no. But I, 
I don't think it was that. The Papa sisters' defense argued that the two were temporarily insane at the time and cited a cousin who had died in an asylum, a grandfather who was prone to violent attacks, and an uncle who had committed suicide as, quote, evidence of a hereditary disposition toward insanity, end quote. Also not to mention their mother and father's mental state. I mean, yeah. They got issues going on. However, medical experts who had examined Christine and Leia said that they were of sound mind. They were sane. There was no psychosis going on with them that they could find. When Christine was questioned, she changed her story. She said that she actually attacked Leone in a nervous fit without being provoked. And then when Genevieve came in to help her mother, she attacked her as well. When Leia came in, Christine ordered her to help her, making it so that she was taking all the responsibility and Leia would be given a lighter sentence. So during the trial, because they were both found sane, they were both found guilty, and Christine was sentenced to the guillotine in the center of the village, and Leia was sentenced to 10 years of hard labor. As Christine waited for her execution, she started to become more and more unstable. She suffered from violent fits and hallucinations, and then she refused to eat and drink. In January 1934, there was a stay of, of execution for Christine and she was resentenced to a life sentence and then she was transferred to an insane asylum. But three years later, she ended up dying apparently from starvation. Leia served eight years for good behavior and then moved in with her mother in 1941. They moved to another city where Leia changed her name and I guess continued working as a maid and then lived quietly until she passed away in 2001, which just baffles me for some reason. In the aftermath of the trial and the case, psychologists believe that the sisters suffered from something called folie à deux, which is a rare, like extremely rare, psychological condition of shared psychosis. It's seen, again, it's extremely rare, but it's usually seen in like twins or people who are extremely close like Christine and Leia. But nobody knows that to this day, the case still haunts France as we still don't know why or what happened to cause these two sisters to commit such a gruesome murder. All we have is what Christine told us. Nobody knows. Like, again, they were, they were examined by quote-unquote medical experts. I mean, again, it's the 19, 1930s, so who knows what they could have had if, they, if it happened today. But nobody knows mentally, psychologically, what was going on to cause them to do that. It's just a crazy case. It's a crazy case. But that, my friends, is the case of the Papa sisters. I hope I did the, pronunci the pronunciations justice in this. Uh, please don't come at me because I tried.
but let me know what you think about this case. It's one of my favorite cases. And as always, please rate and review the podcast wherever you do the thing. As always, you can find Morbid Academy on your favorite podcast streaming service with new episodes out on Fridays and the videos out on Saturdays on YouTube at Coffee, Creeps, and Cake if you want to go check that out because I do more than just the podcast on there. If you would like to get the episodes early, sneak peeks, bonus content, and more, please consider donating to patreon.com slash morbidacademy. If you would like to make a one-time donation of your choosing, you can do that over at buymeacoffee.com slash morbidacademy. Please go check out the merch at morbidacademymerch.com. Again, use code birthday at checkout for 10% off. Follow along on Instagram and Facebook at Morbid Academy. And if you have a story you would like to hear, a state you would like me to cover for Urban Legends, or if you have your own creepy, morbid, true crime, paranormal, whatever story, I would love, love, love to hear those because some of you have some crazy stories. I, I know you do. I know you do. And you can send all of that over to morbidacademy at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you keep it creepy, friends. Bye-bye. <laughs>